morning, which we started last week. Um, let me go ahead and ask a question. It's one I hope I know everyone's answer to, but um, do you ever feel like you lack wisdom? Do you ever feel like you lack wisdom? <laughs> it's, I feel like that's a question that most people would say, yeah, like there's lots of times that I don't have the wisdom idea. I don't know what to do. Um, what if, if you're sitting here and you're thinking that you do have all the wisdom you need, I, we'll, we'll talk later about that. That's a different conversation. But I'm going to read James 1, 5 through 8, and then we'll kind of make the connection to where we were last week, where we started off in James 1 through 4, um, because where we started there really just kind of launches us into the text this morning. So I'm going to go ahead and read James James 1, 2 through 8. Um, We're going to spend most of our time in 5 through 8. So count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom... Let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord, for he is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Last week, we talked quite a bit about how James is a, is a challenging book. There's a, all through it, just, it's full of these, these direct challenges, these direct commands um, for obedience to the Word of God. And just this morning, if you lack wisdom, ask God. But do so in faith, or you're wrong and double-minded. Like, in very short, it's like, hey, this is, how, this is what you're supposed to do. Ask for faith. But, then, but obviously, there, there's some more to this. I think that it's important to read this in context of what we talked about last week, which we just, I just read again in verses 2 through 4. These people that James is writing to, these people are facing a variety of different trials. Persecution, trials, hardship. They've been scattered through the entire region because of their faith. They've been scattered for a variety of different reasons. But then we also talked about how our trials also can look very different. The wide variety of trials that we face. And if there's anything, just thinking of the connection, if there's anything to make you feel unwise, or if there's anything that can make you feel like you need more wisdom, it's trials, right? <laughs> trials make you feel like, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to move forward. I don't know how to make that decision. If you found yourself in situations where you're like, you're, you're, you're in the midst of a trial, you're in the midst of a dark, hard place, like, God, I don't know what to do. I don't know the right decision here. I don't know how to move forward. And I feel like it's, there's been times where I feel like I've lived in this place and being like, God, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to move forward. And I feel like, I'm sure a lot of you can relate to that in, in various ways. And just thinking about this place, thinking about 
as we face trials, thinking about our desperate need for wisdom that can only be given by God. I keep coming to this same truth, the same overarching truth to this. Just that we are just totally, 100% dependent upon God. 100%, fully, totally, completely. There's some other words we could throw in there. We're dependent upon God. Because whether we like it or not, the Christian life is one of dependence. It's one of dependence. And it's true 100% of the time, but often we can feel it more during trial. Even though I think we have this, we have this desire to not be dependent. We have this desire to be independent. I think specifically here in this culture, which is more than other cultures maybe, even like we need to do it ourselves. We want to be able to handle everything. We're not supposed to have to ask for help. We're supposed to be able to do it ourselves. But here's the thing. I think that sometimes, sometimes God allows us to walk through trials to show us how foolish that desire to be independent is, or to show us how much we're relying upon ourselves, to show us how badly we need Him. And I think in those moments, that is the most grace-filled thing He can do. I'm not saying that every single trial is just because we don't have faith, or just because we need to see, uh, we need to have more of a desire for God. I'm not saying that every single trial comes from that. But I think that sometimes God does walk through us, walk through trials with us to show us our need for Him. And I think that we can often feel, or we can often forget how much we need Him when things are going well. When things are falling into place. When things are going right. When things are easy. We forget just how dependent we are. We forget our need for Him. Because when that happens, it's like, well, look, look what I'm doing. Look, I'm doing this. This is what the world shows us, that we're supposed to do this ourselves. We're supposed to earn it. If we're doing well at our jobs, if we're doing well at school, if we're doing well at these things that we're involved in our life, then that, that must be us doing that because we want to be able to say, hey, look what I'm doing. And in those times, we forget how dependent we are. We forget that everyone on this planet, you, me, everyone, are dependent on what only God can give. And looking at James, James 1, 5 through 8, one of the ways that we display this dependence, one of the ways that we <laughs> embrace this dependence is through prayer. Because at a high level, that's what James is talking about here. Our, our, our need to go to God, our, our need to go to Him in prayer, our need to ask God. It says, let Him ask in faith. Let Him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to Him. That prayer itself is an act of dependence, right? It's an act of saying, like, we, do, we can't do this ourselves. God, you are God, we are not. But it's an act of faith in that we're trusting that God hears us, that He cares, that He can answer prayer. Prayer is acknowledging that God must be sovereign, or why pray? Why ask God to do things if He's not in control? If God is not sovereign, 
then why do we pray? Because the very act of praying is, is one of dependence, saying that we can't control this. We are at the mercy of God. We need Him to act. So I understand that prayer, just the very act of prayer, praying, is a very difficult thing for a lot of people. And I'm not going to stand up here and say, I'm this huge, this, this awesome prayer warrior that everyone should, should follow because there's so much of this, so much of, of prayer that, that I want to grow in. But an attitude of prayer, an attitude of, of knowing our dependence on God, of being in that posture, is one that I hope that we can grow in together as a church. I think that if we fully understood our dependence, if we fully understood how dependent we were, then we would be fully committed to prayer. I think if we, as we grow in our understanding of our dependence upon God, then we will also grow in our commitment to prayer. I think that it would, it would grow into something that's, that's more than just something we do here or there, something we do when we happen to find time. If we were able to understand how, how fully dependent we were, prayer would be a huge component of our lives. Listen to this quote from John Piper. I'm sure a lot of you have heard this before. He says, Prayer is a wartime walkie-talkie for spiritual warfare, not a domestic intercom to, to increase the comfort of the saints. Prayer is a wartime walkie-talkie for spiritual warfare, not a domestic intercom to increase the comfort of the saints. What he's saying is just, he's talking about the reality of the, the world, the, the reality of the situation that we're in. Because in, in war, communication is important. You can't communicate with your leader. You're on your own. And the, the trials that we face, remember who he's writing to, the trials they're facing, the reality of the world they're living in, is, is serious. And I think that even today, we need the same war-like mentality. Because there is an evil one in this world that's seeking to kill, to steal, destroy, We've memorized Ephesians 2, 1 through 3 together, right? There's one who is now at work in the sons of disobedience. And I think if we understood our situation, we understood the world that we're living in, then we would not treat prayer in the same way that we sometimes do. So we are dependent upon God. God and His infinite mercy, His, His wisdom, His grace, He provides for us. We are dependent, but God provides for us. God provides through His Son, through Jesus, God provides for us in what we could not get ourselves. He provides salvation for undeserving people, but He also provides direct access to Him. God provides us direct access to Him in prayer. Look at, again, James 1.5. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, 
who gives generously to all without reproach. Remember who James is writing to. These group of people facing persecution, facing hardship, facing trials. He's he's writing to a bunch of people that are in a really, really, really difficult, dark place. But notice what James is not teaching them. He's not teaching them to pray to God to remove them from that trial. He's not praying and tell them to pray for deliverance. But he's teaching them to pray and ask God for wisdom and walking through it. Remember that same question. Like, do you feel like you lack wisdom? Like, I'm going to ask you, do you feel like you lack wisdom? Very easy question. Have you spent time asking God to provide that wisdom? Don't have to answer out loud. But have you spent time praying and asking God for that wisdom? Or, I said this last week, or do you spend more time wallowing in the fact that you don't know what to do? Or do you spend more time to say, man, I'm in such a hard place. I don't know what to do. And often I can spend more time in my own head trying to figure out what to do, trying to figure out what would be the best decision, trying to figure out what would make the most people happy than truly just seeking God in prayer. I think, again, the more and more we grow in our dependence, we grow in our understanding of our dependence, the more we'll ask God for wisdom that he can provide. Think of, an, think of Solomon, for example. He was given the opportunity to, to ask God for anything. He didn't ask for riches. He didn't ask for fame, but for wisdom. And we see that this, this pleased God. God granted this to him. And here in James, God is saying the same thing to us. Ask for wisdom. Ask for wisdom. So why don't we do that more often than we do? No matter how often you do it already, why are we not asking for wisdom in every single thing that we're doing? Why do we walk around acting like there's, there's those that might act like, well, I've got it all figured out. I don't need to ask for wisdom because I know the right thing to do. Or those that spend time just upset that they don't know what to do. But how often do you just stop and ask God, for wisdom. I loved, I don't know how many of you are on the realm, but I love Dale's response to, to Joe this week. And I think there's absolutely a good time. It's, it's, it's right to ask for advice from your church. So Joe, you were right to post that. I don't want to say anything about you not being right. But I love the, the first response. Let's pray and ask God for wisdom. Yes. Like, there's absolutely time to, to, to ask the church, to ask friends, to ask people you trust for guidance in making a decision. Absolutely, but those are hand in hand. Hand in hand, we're saying, let's ask God. Let's ask God to give us wisdom, corporately, individually, on how we move forward. <coughs> it's just a, being finite, being human. We do not have perfect wisdom. I don't think I have to convince anyone of this. But we have direct access to the one who knows everything. The one who has all the answers. Who has perfect wisdom. I'm not saying that by going to God in prayer that he's going to reveal everything. He's going to show us exactly the roadmap for our life and, and every single decision we're supposed to make is going to be this very clear yes and no. 
But here it says that if we ask God for wisdom, it will be given to him. Just think for a moment about the wisdom that, that, that God has. Just, just think of the wisdom of God for a moment. I, th- I was thinking this week about the difference between knowledge and wisdom because I think they're often talked about the same way, but they're a little bit different. Like knowledge being what you know and wisdom being more like what you do with what you know. The choices you make, the decisions you make. But think for a moment about the, the knowledge of God and how it's perfect. Isaiah 40, 28 is going to be up on the screen. It says, Have you not known, have you not heard, the Lord is, an ever, is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. Like the God that spoke the world into motion. The God that said star and there was a star. The God that said mountains go there, rivers go here. Like that God knows it all. His understanding is unsearchable. Yet we try to figure things out on our own. But not only is his knowledge perfect, but his perspective is also perfect. Or maybe better yet, his perspective is is eternal. We've talked about this with the kids quite a bit, trying to explain, I still can't explain this, that God is outside of time. That, that God sees the beginning and the end. Like, it, it's a hard thing to fathom. Brenna has often explained this as an example, as, like, as a movie. Um, that that as, as we're watching a movie for the first time, like, we don't know how it ends. We don't know how it ends, unless Tanner has spoiled it in a sermon <laughs> reference. But like, we don't know how the movie ends. We're kind of at, we're, we're, we're learning as we go. But God is not learning as he goes. God knows. God's perspective is eternal. Eternal. He's not stuck in the finite mindset like we are, not knowing what tomorrow holds. His perspective is eternal. It's perfect. Yet we try to figure things out on our own. His experience, his experience is all also complete. His experience is all, all also complete. Like we learn things through what we experience, right? It's thinking in this world. We learn things through what we experience. That's why when you're applying for jobs, usually there's an education requirement, and most jobs also have an, has an experience requirement. Because they want you, they want more than just what you know. They want you to have experienced. We, we don't have any more med students, so. Uh, like, does anybody else get really nervous when a doctor walks in who looks like they're about 25 years old? And it's like, no offense about being 25. Sorry, wife. Uh, but, <laughs> like, when you're, that doctor walks in, there's, I had this recently, and those, the only doctor I've seen here in Johnson City, and they walked in, I'm like, ugh, you're really young. But it's not that I doubt their knowledge. They probably know a ton of stuff from those books they've studied over and over and over. They probably know just as much as any seasoned doctor. What do they lack? Experience. There's some things that you learn through fire. God, through Jesus, experienced what we've experienced. Listen, Jesus walked in this world. He experienced trials, difficulty, pain, homelessness, hunger, betrayal, rejection, rejection, 
Hebrews 4.15 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. He's experienced it. His experience is complete. Yet we still try to figure things out on our own. It's the wisdom of God that we're talking about here. Wisdom of God. The, the knowledge is perfect. Experience is complete. His perspective is eternal. Like This is the, the wisdom that we have access to. We get to ask God for whether we're in a valley or a mountaintop, whether things are going really good, whether things are going really bad. James is saying, if you lack wisdom, ask God for it. Like James 1.5 should be an encouragement to us. As we're tired, as we're beat down, as we don't know which way to turn, we don't know what decisions to make. This should be an encouragement to us. Let us ask God for wisdom. But most people get a little bit more concerned when they read the rest of this little section. They read verses 6 through 8. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like the wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. It's that in faith, with no doubting. It's that that worries people. Like, well, I don't know if that's how I pray. Is that what I, is that what's in my heart? And this same passage can lead some people to be Afraid to pray. Afraid, like, I don't have enough faith to ask those things. But I just want to be really clear before we get into this further. The, the asking in faith, asking with no doubting, is not talking about a certain action we can do or a certain correct word that we can say in prayer. There's nothing that's specific that we say or that we can do to somehow then make God answer our prayers. Like, He's not a genie. Because I know some people can feel this immense amount of weight on their shoulders. This, 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 this weight, this burden almost of, of mustering up enough faith. Of man, God has not answered my prayers. That, that must be on me. I'm going to force myself to have more faith. Oh, God didn't answer my prayer. I'm still dealing with this. I've got to just have more faith. And that weight gets heavier and heavier and heavier as we think it's somehow on us to make God work. Because faith, it doesn't work this way. We don't just muster it up. We don't just try harder. Because I think this idea has, get, has led so many people to have such lack of confidence in prayer. Because they don't feel like they have enough. They're like they don't have enough. So they're scared to pray. But I think this is just a distorted view of who God is and who we are. Because we can't do, we don't have a special trick. We don't have a certain amount of something that then says, okay, well you got to this level, now I'm going to answer your prayer. The faith being talked about, let him ask in faith with no doubting. That faith being talked about is faith that believes God is who he says he is. 
It means taking God at his word. This is talking more about a faith that describes you more than the faith that you can muster up in a moment. It's talking about a faith that describes you, not just a faith that you muster up in a moment. Like, do you believe that God is who he says he is? Creator of everything, creator of you. Sent his son to die for sinners. Is redeeming all of this, is sovereign over it all. Do you believe God is who he says he is? Do you believe he cares? Do you believe he hears? Do you believe he's God? It's just the the kind of faith that ultimately takes God at his word. This kind of faith, this kind of faith is a gift. It's not something we muster up. It's not something we create. It's not something we generate. But it is a gift. Let's look at Ephesians 2, 8 through 9. We've memorized this recently together. Uh, So I'm going to read it, but read read along with me. Say it. Um, We should know this, but I think this is is huge. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Sorry, I slowed down for getting people were going with me. You've been saved by grace and through faith. For by grace you have been saved through faith. Look at the next sentence. This is not your own doing. It is a gift of God. The grace, the faith that you've been given is not mustered up in you. It's given to you. Faith is a gift that we pray and ask God for. God supplies this. Like This is so much more than just saying, All right, I've got to pray with this amount of faith. No, like God gives this faith. This is talking about genuine faith in God. Faith that God is who he says he is, but a daily consistent faith whose hope is rooted in God and what he's accomplished in Jesus. Listen, like we aren't saved with this, with this perfect faith that then never doubts or never has questions or never has concerns. But faith is something that does. It grows over time. But it's God who does that growing. It's not us doing that growing. Listen, faith comes through experiencing more and more of who God is, through, through prayer, through time in the Word. It comes through being honest with God, even if that honesty is saying, God, I don't have much faith. God, I don't know how to move forward. Like, there's biblical precedent to asking for more faith. Look at, it's going to be apparent on the screen, but it's Mark 9, 23 through 24. Uh, I'm going to start up in verse 22, actually. Uh, but this is Jesus interacting with a man whose son is, it says, afflicted by an unclean spirit. The man says, but if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible for one who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe. Help my unbelief. (laughs) Like looking at Jesus in the face. He says, I believe, but help me believe more. Help me have more faith that you're going to heal my son. 
It's okay to be honest with God. It's okay to be honest with God. Like, I don't have faith. I don't have much faith. I'm lacking faith. It's okay to ask God for that. I, I recently listened to a sermon by another pastor who said, just pray what you got. Whatever it is, pray it. Whatever is in your heart, pray what you got. If that's saying, I don't have much faith, pray it. Like God doesn't want our superficial attempts to say the right words. He doesn't want our superficial attempts to look like we're some perfect prayer that has all the right words. But God wants to hear what's in our heart. It's not like he doesn't already know. Like, doubts fill the Psalms. I don't know if, how if you've read through, through all of all of the book of Psalms, but David constantly has questions, constantly have, has concerns by what he sees going on or what he doesn't see happening. Like, we shouldn't think that we're somehow above this. Like, we can be honest with God in our doubt, in our concerns, and even when we feel like we don't have much faith. Because God grows this faith as we spend more time with him as we experience more and more of him. God is the one doing this. James also gives us the opposite of this. I'm going to read verses 6 through 8 again, kind of the, the flip side. He says, For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. <laughs> Saying that if, if our hope and our faith is not in God, if our hope and our faith is not set solely on, on God, who, whose foundation is not going to shake, who's not going to change, then, then it's in something of this world. And nothing in this world is unchanging. Nothing in this world lasts forever. I don't know, like maybe it's being led to hope more and more in a job and money and, and power and stuff. There's an infinite number of things that, that, that we could put our hope in. But James is saying that like, if that is where our hope is, then we're just like a wave being tossed to and from. There is a wave kind of at the mercy of the wind, at the mercy of the thing that we've put our hope in. And if our faith and our hope are set on temporary things, then we have no solid ground to stand on. I'm just, I was just thinking, that James calls him a double-minded person. That person is described, they're, they're double-minded person, unstable in all their ways. Like, what does it mean, though, to be tossed to and fro, to be, to be tossed and driven by the wind? I'm going to describe someone for you. This is not a real person, but I think we've all seen this person, and I think in various ways we may be able to identify with this person, maybe now or at certain times in our life. But life is difficult, um, because we live in a broken and sin-stained world. Like, trials come. They're, they're going to come. They, they happen. They're real. But this person begins to question 
the life they're living. When they feel like life is out of control, they grasp at every little thing they think they can control. They may change jobs multiple times over and over. They go from one relationship to another. They latch on to a new hobby after new hobby after new hobby, trying to find something that is stable. They may change their appearance over and over and over again, trying to find acceptance. They latch on to every new idea that comes their way because that must, that must be it. That, that's not going to change. I'm going to put my hope in that. They make significant life change after life change, trying to find something that will be stable. Why? Why? Like, why does their life resemble one that is tossed to and fro, kind of at the mercy of the things that they're putting their hope in? Things are letting them down. Things are not getting them what they hoped they would get them. With no solid foundation, nothing more than the waves being tossed to and fro here and there. It's no wonder that can lead someone to feel unstable in all their ways. Like, this is true of people outside the church, but can also be true of people inside the church, too. Like, the only thing I would add to that would be usually that comes with it, a gradual kind of unplugging and pulling back from the church. That usually is kind of in that same flow of thought. What is your foundation? What is your foundation? Like when life is crazy, when everything is spiraling out of control, what do you lean on? What do you look for for a sense of control? Do you scramble trying to find something in this world that you can control, something that you have power over, something that you can make listen to you? Do you spend Minutes, hours, days, maybe months trying to figure out what step to take. Constantly trying to make the right choice. You keep trying to do this on your own. Or are you running to the only foundation that is secure, the only foundation that is not moving? You're running to this God, desperately crying out for wisdom. Wisdom to walk through the darkest of valleys or, or maybe even on the mountaintops and everything is great. Are you praying to this God? The God with perfect wisdom, perfect knowledge. Because we cannot do this. We cannot do this. Like we have such great need. Such great need for salvation, for wisdom, for a supply that only God can give. And God has provided. God has provided the gift of His Son to save sinners. For some of you, this might be the first thing that you need to hear this morning. For, for some of you, if you've not yet believed in Jesus, then this is my first plea to you. Like believe in Jesus. Repent from your sin. Trust in the only thing that is not going to change. Because God has sent His only Son to save sinners, to save those who would trust in Him. 
God has provided salvation, a hope that is not changing, that is never going to change, that is secure. But God has also provided a way to commune with Him. God has provided a way to talk with Him daily, minute, every minute, every hour. Look at Hebrews again for a second. It's one of my favorite verses. Hebrews 4.16 Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. That's right after the last verse we read in Hebrews. That God, and, and Jesus understands He's been through it, He's walked through it, He's experienced it. It's because of what Jesus has done, we can approach the throne of God. We can approach God with confidence that He listens, that He hears, that there is mercy and grace. As I know that the prayer is not always easy. It is not always easy. But through Christ, we can have confidence that He hears that He cares, that He wants to hear us, even if it's to say, God, I don't have much faith. He wants to hear that, pray what you got. He wants to hear that. He wants to know what we're feeling. I don't usually get quite this practical, but I'm, but I'm serious. Like, I challenge you this week to block off 10 minutes, two times. That's 20 minutes of your entire week and just pray. Just pray. Block it off in your calendar. Choose where you're going to pray. Don't, don't say, I'll find time for it in a couple days. No, like, when are you going to do it? 20 minutes total. Spend that time. Pray for wisdom. Pray for faith. Pray what's in your heart. Just be honest with God. And I think that what you'll find, I think that what we will find, is mercy, is grace, is compassion, is a God who hears, a God who listens, and grow us confidence in us more and more to go to Him, to pray. Confidence that the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the God Almighty who made all of this, confidence that He loves and He cares, and He says to cast your burdens upon him. Church, it's not up to us to have, just have more faith, have more faith, have more faith. That's not a burden that we have to bear. But God supplies. God will give. I'm going to pray right now. I'm going to pray for this specifically. But pray for each one of us that we're going to have more and more confidence approaching the God of the universe because of what he's done through Jesus and that we would place our hope fully upon Jesus. Let's pray.